Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. Welcome to today's podcast, and it is Sunday, so you know what that means. It is a Mastercast where we kind of break into different concepts as it relates to content creation, content creators, and those individuals on their journey. For me today, I'm going to be talking about actually an individual who I feel is really interesting and who I kind of stumbled into learning about while walking the streets of Paris. Let's go. I don't know if you guys are familiar with a Japanese artist by the name of Yayu Kazama. Or Yayo Ye- Ye- is probably one of the most influential artists within modern art. And we think about her in a lot of different ways. And what's so strange is I learned about her while walking through the streets of Paris and seeing a giant statue, maybe 50 feet tall, of a woman wearing all white with the red hair and a paintbrush. I looked at the building, and what she was painting was dots. Little did I know what those dots signified and what that actually was. And within this episode, I'm going to break down who she is, what those dots mean, and the interesting facts I learned about her life. So, Yayo Kazama was actually born within Japan back in 1929. Now, she did not have a typical upbringing as someone born in um, Masumo, Masumoto, Japan. Masumoto, Japan is a very interesting place. It's located in the heart of Japan. If you can think about it, you know, we kind of get those, those ID. Masumoto, Japan has kind of those, it's known for those king-like stacked Japanese houses that are very iconic that we know. It's called the Masumoto Castle. Now, growing up there in 1929 would not have been an easy environment growing up in Japan, we currently face the imperialism of what was happening in Japan, and it was prefaced on what was happening in 1941 as related to World War II. Yayo would have been born to a family of three, and as a result of even her born, she was born in a controversial home. What's so interesting about Japanese culture, one of the findings that I found is that it's not uncommon for a Japanese man to take a Japanese woman's name. As a result of this, this generally was happening whenever you had a situation where one family was predominantly more successful than the other. And this happened for Yayo's family. Yayo's mother was of, of a richer, um, more wealthier family. And her father was not. So as a result of it, he had to take Yayo's mother's last name. Now, this created a situation where it wasn't the most ideal upbringing because Yayo's father was almost demasculated by this situation. So, as a result of it, he would cheat on his mother. In this next clip I'm going to play is going to be talking a little bit about that actually from Yayo herself. She is speaking Japanese and there's a Japanese translator. And I'm going to have it Told to her, told to you in her words. I was very afraid of fallacies. I haven't had sex. 
As a child, I suffered a lot because my father led a very debauched lifestyle and I came to hate sex. As a kind of art therapy, I created lots of sex, filled a room with them, and I lost my fear. So Yayo Kasama was actually traumatized by this experience. She's talking about her father and sex. And the story goes that originally what happened is he would cheat on his wife a lot. And as a result of it, the mom would make her be like a spy to determine he was cheating on who she was cheating on with. And as a result of it, she actually saw her father cheating on her mother with other women. And this created a whole type of trauma within her. And I think it's really probably a lot to do with where she is driving her motivation from as it relates to art. And what we have to really understand about Yayo is that she, in fact, is driving a lot of the art we've known in a modern contextual sense. Now, what she's really known for are polka dots. And when she's talking about these polka dots, she always talks about how she's used them with her mental illness. Yayo has suffered from a history of mental illness, so much so that she checked herself into a mental, a mental institute and has been living there ever since. She's currently 94 years old. Now, whenever she talks about kind of why she used polka dots as a mean of art, she's saying that we're all dots. You know, the universe is dots. The earth is dots. People are dots, and she uses it as a means. And when you see her art, it's very childlike, very bubbly, very colorful. And you don't really understand that there's so much darkness behind it. Now, she's always had different aspects of her career because as a result of her art, her family never really truly understood it and considered it being a form of shame. Now, what we have to understand about Yayo, she would have been growing up in a time in a Japanese family that was related to an imperial mindset where you are focusing on your family. You know, there's not a lot of space for growth and coming to understand you know, who you are as a person. And art was really seen as a negative thing. And as a result of her art, her family actually destroyed it. And she was forced to move to New York City and the West to really cultivate that art where she was, she started building it and gaining traction. And she was known for her dots her dots, her um, kind of rooms that were very, very, how would you say it? I'm drawing a blank. Um, immersive. So these immersive rooms were really well known, and the art was taking off around the 60s as she was really getting to be more well known within her circle. And that's where she bumped heads with the one and only um, Andy Warhol. Now, Andy Warhol was an aspiring artist at the time, and it's honestly believed, proven, and determined that Andy Warhol, in fact, plagiarized Yoyi Kasama. And if we think about some of his art in particular, he has something called the cow wallpaper, where if you look at the wallpaper as it's laid out, um, you can see how there's a lot of consistencies with what Yayo was doing, because no one was really doing what she was doing at that time. And as a result of this kind of moment of people taking art from her, it created a situation that spiraled her mental health out of control. One of the more interesting things about her art is how it really derives on the fact of mental illness and mental health. 
She checked herself into a mental health facility and has been there ever since. What she says is she had a moment where she was painting for four hours straight, I'm sorry, for four days straight, wasn't eating, and she collapsed. And as a result of it, she was put into this mental health facility where she's been living there ever since. But to be an artist is one thing. To be an artist that captivates people's attention is another. To be the artist that Andy Warhol copied off you and kind of built his art out of it is something that's truly amazing. And I think it speaks a lot to her for this time. I think what we really have to understand about this time is, number one, she is a woman in an art world that is consumed a lot by men. It's a modern art environment. I think one of the more interesting aspects, too, is we have to understand it's coming out of World War II. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of racism in the United States during this time for Japanese people. It wasn't easy, especially because Yayi was actually had to work in a parachute factory in Masumoto when she was a young kid. And there she was working 12 hour days sewing, sewing parachutes for Japanese soldiers. OK, that was her childhood. And she had to quit working there as a result of having pneumonia now i know i'm jumping all over the place but i'm just trying to provide the best context for who she is and why she is represented through her art and what she is well known for i think sometimes when you take a step back from her career the thing that really comes up for me is being like wow you know she was really inspired through her trauma and through her upbringing and i couldn't imagine being a Japanese artist, a woman at that at this time, and creating some of these pieces. And as you can see, you know, she had a lot of issues with sex as a result of being traumatized as a child. So how she processed that is she would have these interactive sexual art exhibits, you know, now to where they were edgy. They were definitely something that she was using to process her trauma, but as a result of it, creating an art, an art example of it. I think what's so interesting about her career is a lot of art has always been created for her to process what she's going through. Clearly, there's some mental health there if she is living in a mental health facility, and that's where she is living out her life. And what happens, too, is she has a studio across the road, and each day she'll go over there and paint, even at 94 years old, which kind of prompted me running into her, I guess, legacy, if you will. And I talk a lot about legacy on here, and... I'm just trying to put put together the the dots, no pun intended, on this podcast to really show that when you are a content creator, when you're doing art, if you can be true to yourself and process what you're going through, I think it really helps a genuine flavor of what you're doing. So much of it sometimes is about worrying about what other people are thinking or whatever they're conceptualizing, but when we look at her as an artist, she was not worried about that. She was worried about processing her own mental health and creating something. You know, we look at her iconic dots. She was just painting them. She's painting them to process a lot of things, and that was soothing her. And that was kind of the aspect of her using art as a means to do that. You know, in my mind, I think that is a truly amazing testament to what it means to be human. I think art, in a way, is this really unique thing humans do, and it's you can't really put even a price tag on it. You know, you don't really know the value of it. And art tran- transcends time. You know, art really transcends it. I mean, if, if we go back to the episode I did on on David and you see David 
that piece of art that took place over 500 years ago, you are truly inspired by what someone was able to do then and how it's transcended time. Um, but I think with with Yayo, another interesting aspect about her is her ability to, to kind of capture the minds of the fashion world. So much so that Louis Vuitton and her have partnered up. And if you look at some of these these immersive interaction with her is Louis Vuitton is actually funding her art as a way. I'm sorry, Louis Vuitton. I'm trying to get my words out here. Louis Vuitton, Louis Vuitton has created an immersive experience with her. So if you go by her store, there's like a robot that looks like a human. And I can post it on my Instagram and it's literally her and there's there's there there's they're throughout the world. They're in Japan, they're all over the place. There's two in Paris. I saw one of her as a giant, one of her inside of a, a window glass, and that's kind of where I wanted to be like, this could be a potentially interesting podcast episode because there was so much information out there about her. So now if you look at her purses that she's kind of created, she has her iconic polka dot purse with Louis Vuitton. Then she has some interesting ones that go much that are that are that are really expensive. Some of them go up to twenty seven hundred dollars. Some of them are two thousand dollars for a little purse with polka dots. And when I hear her story, when I see it, you know, I even looked up her kind of net worth to see where she was at, and that's about twenty million dollars. So when I look at her net worth and I tie it to all of these little moments, it's amazing to see somebody who's had this career. And when people describe her. She has such a serious demeanor, but she's presenting herself in art, in polka dots, in a pink wig, really highlighting this kind of playful side. And it's so interesting how, in my opinion, what her art is doing is captivating that aspect of what it means to kind of be expression, expressing yourself through different means and then it coming out in a way that maybe isn't represented for her, but she's still painting daily. She has these interesting Louis Vuitton statues all over the world. She has an amazing 3D one in Japan, and she's still captivating the art world. She's still creating something that's really unique to her. And I think Louis Vuitton um, working with her has been amazing. And Louis Vuitton is a, is a billion-dollar company. Like when They made $21 billion last year, and for me, there's nothing more amazing than taking the art world and putting it into a capacity for business. So I think for my thought process for today's Mastercast is I think it's important to remain true to yourself, be consistent, and if you're going to create content, you have to really focus on the journey of learning and processing those means. She's processing the world through art. Sometimes I process the world through podcasting so I can talk and learn about it and kind of and have that ability. So thank you so much for listening to this masterclass cast. It's a little bit different, but I appreciate all the support along the way. And sometimes we got to change it up, keep you guys on your toes. So thank you so much. And we'll get back to you tomorrow.